How about a sermon? My name is John Lux. I'm the pastor here. Um, I love being the pastor here. It's a real privilege. Uh, and today we're talking about courageous generosity. This is the last one of our relational values in our five-week relational values series. And um, our relational values are about trying to be like Jesus, okay? I mean, why do we want to be like Jesus? I don't know. It's a byproduct of being around him, thinking about him, letting him come and touch our hearts, trying to talk to him. Um, We want to live like Jesus and think like Jesus. We want to treat people like Jesus treated people. And frankly, we want to know God like Jesus knew God. And that's why our relational values are about how we relate to one another and how we relate to God. And um, I'm, ex- I'm especially excited. So, like, um, we're talking about courageous generosity, right? Generosity, giving away, courageous, being brave. Uh, but mostly, this is going to keep coming back around to the joy and freedom that's going to come from that, okay? It's not like a give more money so that NPR won't go off the air. Like, no, 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 we're not, not that thing, the other thing. Like that, the, the thing that happens in our soul, where we become brave in our generosity of giving ourselves away, and then we feel free, we feel unattached, we feel unburdened, and we feel this inexplicable joy. And then we will explicate the joy by understanding that it came from obeying God's principle of, of generosity. Amen? All right. And so the correct set of train tracks for us to pursue in courageous generosity looks like the joy message. It looks like the freedom message um, because that's how this works in God's kingdom. Um, All right. So we're going to talk about the nature of generosity. We're going to talk about why courage is required. um, And then we're going to try to get as practical as we can. Um, How did this value make our top five? This should be a valid question for anything we talk about. Um, Why did this value make our top five? It's in the heart of God. I mean, this is a core attribute of the God we're here to worship. The God who made you, whose image you have been made in. I mean, just think about it. God has been so good to us. I mean, just flat out so good. All right? In, In the death of Jesus, he provided salvation. Rescue from sin and darkness, new life. And even the, the everyday stuff, when the sun comes up, sometimes it comes up just for Asher Clark, just for you, right? We can take it, sorry, bro. We can take it personally. The weather, your job, your circumstance, your genetics, take it personally. It is not happenstance. God is good to you because that is what he is like. His essential character is full of generosity. I mean, living things that you see outside, the food that you have to eat, the warmth that you are lucky to find anywhere in New England right now, your, your family, the health of your family, the emotional warmth anywhere around you, your job, your career, your destiny, your purpose, your life. God is generous to you because that's what he's like and here's the best part of all guys when i say that god is generous because that's what he's like i mean he almost can't help himself so as human beings right like um as human beings like our kids if you have kids 
God's generous to you. Our kids ask us for things at the wrong time, right? You're on a Zoom call. You're like, Daddy, there's something wrong with my iPad. I need you to help me out. And you're like, bad time. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Well, God never has that problem. Never has that problem. There has never been a time where you brought your need to God and he was in the middle of something. Never happened. Never will happen. Okay? That's a powerful thing. If you have a heavenly father whose heart is generous, who is never, has never, ever, and will never, ever be too busy or doing something too important to respond to your need. I mean, Jesus emptied himself out. Experiencing all the heavenly glory of being God, he emptied himself out and lived in relative poverty on the earth so that you could experience the riches of the grace of God right here on earth, right now in your life, and forever in eternity with God. I mean, do you serve a generous God, Antioch? I mean, God is so generous. He doesn't even just give you what you need. Food, clothing, the basics. God goes beyond just what you need. He's giving you what you would just really like to have. He's so generous. And, um, and when we get a hold of this, we perceive the generosity of God towards us, it makes us feel thankful. It makes us feel thankful. It's not like when you get a poorly thought out Christmas gift from that relative that you know does not like you, and then you have to like, <laughs> thanks, that's really, wow, not my size. So I just, you know, it's not that. It's the opposite of that thing. Someone who made you, knows exactly what you like, and loves you, is thinking constantly how to be good to you. Does that make you thankful? Hmm. All right. I mean, consider creation. I- I'm stuck on this this week. Creation reeks of the abundance of God. Right? God didn't just like make the bare minimum number of trees to support life. It's just in the heart of God. Things multiply, they grow, they flourish. Because generosity is a central attribute of the nature of God. All right. Now, we tend to generally overfocus on money when we talk about generosity. All those things I just talked about with God were not money. Isn't that interesting? Right? God, you know, is controlling money is in the sense that it's a representation of value. But mostly God's generosity to you is expressed not in money. And so when we talk today about generosity, we have to think of generosity of person. Amen? All of you, all that you possess, all that is your person, not just some numbers in your bank account. Um, In fact, let's really go there. I want you to yell out loud some things that you are capable of being generous with that are not money. Time, that's a good one. Assumptions, ooh, I like that. Listening, what else? Your home, yes, thank you. Your emotional capacity, that is so true. Words, food, yes, please. 
How about, how about vacation time? Right? And if you all work in HR, a lot of companies actually will allow you to donate your vacation time to contribute to the sick time of people who have overrun their sick time. Ooh, does that feel kingdom to you a little bit? You know, ask your HR person. Be like, hey, my pastor said to ask about this. Is this a thing? And they'd be like, yeah, who told you about this program? Right? A lot of employers do that because your vacation time belongs to you. But, I mean, it also belongs to your company. You could give it away to a person who's sick and can't afford the rest of their leave. You have a lot of things in your life to be generous with. Um, but, I mean, in real life, we deal with the concept of personal property. Unless you had the good fortune to grow up on a commune. I mean, I don't know how good fortune that would have been. Um, but unless you grew up in a commune or in a like, legitimately communal society. Because there are some places in the world where people live communally. And if you're lucky enough to come from one of those places, you need to teach the rest of Antioch how this works. In a communal society, not everything is about your personal property. But it takes work to get there. My experience of children is that the default behavior is, no, that's mine. You can't have it. That is my thing. No, no. That's mine. Right? That is the default behavior of kids. And it takes, it takes an act of God in the heart to change that attitude. To make our resources available to others. To make our resources available to God. I mean, it takes the change in our hearts that God needs to do. Um, so that's kind of the inertia that we have to overcome. But guys, I was talking about the joy and the freedom of generosity. Generosity is contagious. I mean, it's like chicken pox. It's bad. I mean, it's so contagious. You just look at somebody who's walking in generosity, and you're like, ugh, what's that doing to me? When we start giving freely of ourselves, it disturbs people and makes them want to give freely of themselves. And that's why I'm excited to talk about this as one of our relation of values, because as we get a hold of this, um, it's going to catch on. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share an example from my own life about um, when the contagious nature of generosity got hold of me. Like Rosie, I w was serving overseas as a missionary, and um, um, I, w I had the support raise, and I, I was coming back after a long, short a long trip over the summer, and, and I was like, okay, Lord, which of these great roommate opportunities do you want me to live with? And I felt like the Lord was like, no, 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 I want you to live outside of your, like, you know, um, your, your cultural context that everything in your life so far has happened in. You gotta, you gotta get out of that so I can teach you some things before you go overseas. And so I reached out to this organization and said, hey, I'm looking for a roommate. And um, they put me in touch with this place in Upham's Corner, right? It's called Ma Sis Place. And it was, if you've ever heard of it, it's pretty cool. It's not, it's not up and running anymore. But it was this, this woman who owned a bunch of property in Upham's Corner. And she, um, some people got saved in her neighborhood. And she started a soup kitchen with a church in it. And then she, again, she owned all this property. And so she got people to move into the neighborhood, right? She'd buy these, like, abandoned properties, properties that were bad news, people doing bad things. She'd buy them out, and then she'd move people in who were going to build up the neighborhood and represent Christ. And so, I, you know, someone got me connected, and I moved in to one of these houses. And, um, and I was, you know, I was, I was going to Antioch, and then I would double dip in the evening. Because you know what, man, this place, the food, 
mean, the worship was kind of okay. Preaching was like kind of okay. But then we would eat this food after church. And I felt, I was like, oh man, this is heaven. Um, they were generous church. And, um, and as I got ready to go, you know, I'm getting ready to buy my plane tickets. I talked to my roommates. Hey, a couple more weeks, I'm going to be out of here. It's been so great being your roommates. And they said, hey, will you please come to church tonight? We want to pray for you before you go. We want to bless you. So I go to church, you know, I'm like really looking forward to this meal again. And uh, after church, they, um, they, they gather around, they pray for me. And, uh, and then they take up an offering. They just, real simple. There's no like link and no giving thing. People just busted out their wallets and their checkbooks and they just gave me right there on the spot to go as a missionary, right? And Upham's Corner, you know, it's not in the like posh part of the city. It's not Beacon Hill, okay? And um, the way that people gave to me at that meeting disturbed me. I mean, to this day. Because like, you think, like, people are just going to give, like, the extra, you know, the leftover, the, you know, the money that they don't need for anything. But people gave to me that day in a way that I was not ready to really deal with. And because um, they were giving, they were, like, cutting into the operating capital of their life. They were going without so that I could go to North Africa. And um, that, man, that really shocked me. And... Um, and so I still had, you know, a lot of support raising to do. And, um, and I can remember I just sort of traveled around, and I was like, I want to give money away. Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be, like, fundraising, but mostly I just went around, and I wanted to give money away. And so I did, and it, it all worked out. Um, but do you see how this thing is contagious? How we, like, really mess with people by doing this in a good way? When we operate in that kind of generosity, we mess people up in the best way. Because we ourselves become free, and we make it possible for other people to see what that freedom looks like. And they can get a piece of it by giving something away. It's the kind of generosity that shakes heaven and earth. Um... All right, let's take a look at our passage today. This is from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Um, it says this. Uh, the context here, this is Paul the apostle. He's writing to one church, talking about something that happened at another church, uh, because he's taking up an offering for famine relief in Jerusalem. Okay? So he's working with these Gentile churches um, to, to give some money to, the, to prepare for a famine in Jerusalem. This is what it says. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us. For the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded my expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Wow. I want to go to that church. Come on. Let's take a look here, right? You guys see that theme again? The joy and freedom? It says, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in 
rich generosity. Isn't that the picture? Rich generosity. And my, this verb welled up. It's like a fountain. Do you get it? This joyful, splashy, releasing thing that produces joy. There's a joyfulness to it. It's a freedom to it. And it flows from the heart of God, right? It wasn't like Paul went in there and just like, hey, we've got a matching donor. It's going to triple value points today. I'm going to give it a CD box set. You know, you got to make it worth your time. Members only benefits unlocked for you, you know? No, they're just trying to worship God. They hear about this famine happening in Jerusalem. Yeah, we've got to mobilize. We've got to respond. We want to be a part of this. And they actually pleaded with Paul for the privilege of sharing what they had in the service of the Lord's people. I like that. And then this is my favorite thing here. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, right? Our relational values, our relationship with God and relationship with others. Be generous with yourself towards God. You're going to find a lot of freedom and joy released in your life. All right. So, generosity. Number one, it flows from the heart of God. You don't know anyone more generous than God. Number two, generosity is contagious. It catches on. Number three, generosity is the power of God to release joy and freedom in this place. Generosity is about releasing your resource of life to God and to people around you. All right, so let's take a look at the courage aspect of this. Um, for the last couple of values, uh, we've done this. So let's do it again. What is the opposite of our relational value today? Um, it's always fun to put these together. What is our, what is our anti-value? It'll, it'll come up in a second. Um, our anti-value, the opposite of our relational value, is fearful stinginess, okay? Fearful stinginess. If you see somebody walking out in this value at our church, that's a, that's a big problem, okay? Fearful stinginess. We got to, and what's the tagline? I must protect what's mine. I got to make sure there's enough for me. Right? It's about defending resource rather than freeing it up to be a part of the kingdom of God. And it's an interesting thing, right? Because we think that selfishness, actually, can you put the retreat sign up slide again? Thanks. I don't want people to look at that too long. All right. We think that selfishness is what's holding us back from generosity, right? Focus on ourselves. I think in reality, it's fearfulness, more likely, that holds us back from generosity. Because we worry about what will happen if we make our resources available to God. You know, if we let God direct the flow of resource into and out of our life, scary things could happen. And I just want to say that is a valid fear, okay? Jesus is not a totally safe guy about money, right? If you've read the Bible, Jesus told some people to give all their money away and then did not apologize for asking them to do that, right? Jesus is not a totally safe guy about money. In fact, he's not a totally safe guy about lots of things. But Jesus is trustworthy about money. He's trustworthy about the resources of your life, and he's trustworthy with your heart. So if you feel like it's scary to trust God with your resources, that is legit. But if, if God is trustworthy, 
let's trust him, right? Let's have courage. That's the noun. Let's have courage in our expression of generosity. Because, I mean, I'm not going to, like, just come up here and be, like, telling people that you need to give more money away. Well, why am I not doing that? Well, number one, we're not, like, raising funds for anything in particular. And number two, you might already be giving as much as God wants you to. God might even tell you to give less than you're giving now. That sounds like a weird thing to say. But the goal is that you would obey God in the flow of resource into and out of your life. That's the goal. That's where the joy comes from. That's where the freedom comes from. It's where that contagious thing is going to take off. It's you obeying God with that flow of resource in your life. Because money's not evil. It's not. Being rich isn't even evil, okay? Being powerful, having influence, not evil, right? It's evil to worship those things. But God gives us resource, and we give it back to him. Check it out. All right, so this is probably the weirdest parable I could come up with, and I didn't come up with it. This is from Jimmy Seibert, uh, the founder of the Antioch Movement. And he talks about something called the joy tube, right? So it's... The kingdom of heaven is like a tube, okay? This is not in the New Testament. Um, but he calls this principle the joy tube, right? It's like God, let's imagine that God is giving things to everybody. We don't have to imagine. God is giving things to everybody. Now, some of those things, maybe they just go in a container. You're like, oh, thanks, God, that thing. But many things flow into you like they're flowing into one end of the tube. And then they're moving through your life, and then they're being released to some final destination. That, see how the tube works? Okay? Tubes. All right? Now, why is it called the joy tube? Right? It's called the joy tube because when things flow through your life, you enjoy receiving them, and then you enjoy giving them away. And the only thing that you can do to inhibit this joyful process is to accidentally re retain the wrong things in the tube, okay? There's all kinds of medications that'll help with that. But the key thing, don't get distracted, the key thing is that things need to flow through that tube. Things need to go, resources are getting released into your life, and then you're paying attention to what God says, and you're releasing those things to the exact right place where God wants them in the kingdom. Amen? That's how it works. All right. And I'm going to invite the, the band to come up as we get ready to kind of respond to this at a more gut level. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> you guys are terrible. No more of that. Keep it clean in here. All right. Let's try this statement on for size, right? Um, we need to get in touch with our relationship with the resources God has given us. Because when we have a right, rela right relationship with resource, when we have a right relationship with the resource of our life, then it is easy for God to direct it. Okay? So let's try this statement on for size. Just say it with me, actually. We don't do that enough in church. Nothing I possess possesses me. I can freely give anything away. Let's just try it again. Nothing I possess possesses me. I can give any of anything away. Wow. 
So I, I feel like the example that popped in my head all week was people who collect shoes. That's great. When you get new shoes, you should be like, thank you, God. I love these shoes. That's all right. But if you feel like you are afraid to share your shoes, okay, that is a little weird. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you feel like you have things that are like, no, 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 nobody had better ever touch this, or nobody had better ever want to share this, or nobody had better ever need this, or worst of all, God had better never ask me for this. That's a problem, okay? And I'm not telling you you need to give those things away. You need to do the other thing, where you ask God. Does that make sense? So in, in about a month or two from now, we're going to have a first fruit celebration. And what is that all about? Everything in your life belongs to God. Everything in your life came from God. Someday you will die and leave this earth, and nothing except the soul which God created to inhabit your body will go with you. That's how it works. Nothing I possess possesses me. I can freely give anything away. God directs the resource of my life. Nobody makes me feel guilty about it. I feel the joy of giving things away. That's who God's making us today. And um, we'd be only stepping into the shallow end of this conversation if I didn't bring up what it's like to grow up and not have stuff to give away. Right? Lots of people in this room, actually, I've legit talked to many of you. This is very true for many people in this room. You grew up with nothing to give away. Sometimes the cupboard was empty. Sometimes the checks were bouncing, and it was really scary. It was really hard. And, um, and I just want to say God wants to minister to you in the context of your family. Did you have a generous father? Did you not? How does God want to begin healing your heart in the place of resource? Because if your life is going to work like a tube that directs the resources of God's kingdom, you need, to, you need to come to places of understanding your own story in this area, okay? And again, that's not something someone just spouts it off in a sermon and that helps you. You're going to need to do the hard work where you get out a piece of paper, maybe a really long one, and you just start talking with God. Hey, what is this about? Why is this hard for me? Why is it hard for me to receive generosity? That's a question. So I'm going to pray, and uh, let's stand up and begin to engage with God this morning. Um, Jesus, uh, we just put our eyes right now on you, giving everything away on the cross. You gave everything away. You held nothing back. Thank you that you were so generous with us. And Jesus, we ask that you would touch us this morning and make us generous like you. Father, we just ask you'd take away every fear and you'd release a courage in us. And Father, that I just pray, would you make it not about things, but would you make it about that spirit that says everything belongs to you, God? What, what do you want to do to direct the resource in my life? Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. We want that joy. We want that freedom. But I pray only that it would come from you. Any weird groupthink dynamic where someone is feeling like they have to do this or they have to do that, I break that off in Jesus' name. But I invite the direction of Jesus. I, I invite the Spirit of God into this room to direct people, to direct resources. And not just money, the resources of the kingdom 
faith and hope and love and goodness, connection and empathy, patience and kindness and goodness, love from one person to another. Come and do it in this room today. Thank you.
so I, I kind of opened the box on this thing of, hey, my family of origin have had a really tough run related to finances. And I think there's, there's two dimensions that I just want to invite people to come to the back and maybe pray for or pray for other people. Uh, and the two dimensions are, one, I, I grew up and my family had a hard time financially. Now I believe that that's going to be me. And that's a lie. You are a child of the Most High God, and your, your destiny is not that. You might go through tight places, but there's provision for you. If you're needing to receive that truth and have somebody pray that for you, come on, meet me in the back. And the second one was like, man, I had parents who were so stingy, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get what I needed from them. Does that make sense? And that's, that's not your Heavenly Father. And that's something you can receive prayer for. God can break the power of that in your life. Uh, amen? So come on in the back, come on in the back, and, and if either of those two things touches your heart, let's pray together.